Good morning. Well, what a what a great camp, you know. Um, I love family camps, and, and this year more than than ever for me in particular, really needed this, right? Um, because of what I do, um, the last couple of years have been have been rough and been working a lot, right? And still trying to stay focused on God and uh, and and my family, you know. And, and, it's, and it's been a challenge, but just. Trusting in God, right? What a great theme, you know, uh, this year. Trusting in God, how important that is, because that's that's what I've been doing. Now, has it been a struggle? Sure, because there's times, as I'm as I'm going to share, um, you know, spiritually, uh, I was weak because I wasn't spending enough time, you know, training myself and trusting in God, and how important that is. It's been brought out a lot in this camp about how important it is to be in the Word every single day be praying, to be focused on God, because if you don't, you're going to lose it. It's just, it's just the way it is, and I'm sure some of you have felt that, you know, but me in particular, I've really um, uh, felt that. So I'm going to, I'm going to use a Ferguson timeout, okay, Ferguson timeout. How many do I get, three? <laughs> like three per quarter? <laughs> I, I didn't know those were a thing, but I, I really appreciate that, you know, because that way I don't have to worry about going over long, I just go, hey, timeout. They come out, and just, you know, we're not, we're not there yet. So a couple things. It's a new Bible, you know. It's, it's been getting worked over, but some of the pages still want to stick together, and it's really annoying. Uh, but the funny thing is, I'm going to tell you about how this came about. Um, as, as I'm reading with the boys uh, one morning around the kitchen table, my wife, my wife recognized the fact that I was holding it out about right here. <laughs> because at 48 years old now, things are starting to deteriorate a little bit. And yes, yes, and I'm not at the Hartford glass point where I think that's cool. Don't think that's cool yet. So you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet, Matt. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, so I, she says, hey, I got you a new Bible, and I'm like, oh, oh, cool. You know, and I'm like, the print is gigantic, and I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, this is uh, like, did it make it any bigger? Because I'm sure it's going to get worse over time. So thumbing, thumbing through Bible today, I might get stuck a little bit. Bear with me, uh, but at least I can read it really well. So that's a good thing. And and then as a side note to that, I'm like, I think she 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 sees the future. I'm going to lose my mind because it came with tabs as well. So when when I forget where the books of the Bible are, oh my goodness, I've got tabs. So she said like, oh, I didn't know that was there. Okay, honey, love you. Yes, thank you. So um, and 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 talking about uh, titles to sermons, uh, I, I never title. Sermons and Bill's always asking me, "Hey, what's 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 your title? What's your title?" I'm like, oh, man, you know. And so, so beware of misplaced trust. I have no idea where that came from. It's it's from Bill. Um, and 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 I'll tell you this: the one time he pushed me was at uh, this last men's camp. He kept telling me, "Hey, what's what's the what's the title again? What's what's?" So I'm like, you know what, the hot man. So guess what? I don't get asked anymore. Uh, see, when I when I push you, the title is so ridiculous that I don't want I don't want to put it up anymore. So the the, the hot man, right? So anyway, just uh, okay. Timeout's over. Time back in. Okay, we're good. All right. So uh, so yeah, it is. You know this this you know my lesson was was not what not to trust in right in this world, man. And it's so easy. It's so easy to get you know sucked into stuff in this world. Wow, so easy, right? Um, and the other thing is, Bill said, 
He sends me my topic. You'll be, you can't use 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, I guess where we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to go just, just to get us kicked off because it's a great spot uh, to, to kick off in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. Because it is one of our anchor verses, right? I mean, that's the last reason I'm using it, Bill. It's our anchor verse. Um, so 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. It says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction which occurred in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He rescued us from so great a danger of death, and will rescue us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. If you also join in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor granted to us, the prayers of many, right? But verse 9, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are very thankful, Father, for just another great and amazing day. You know, first day of the week. This is awesome. Been a great camp, uh, Father, but you know, we know the first day is, is set aside, Father, to remember Jesus. Wow, so thankful for him, his sacrifice. You know, we are not who we are, uh, Father, without him. The, the freedom, the hope, the peace that we have, it's all because of him. And we're so thankful to be here, not only at this camp, but on the first day of the week to celebrate him, Father. So as we look at the things, Father, that we should not be trusting in, uh, that sometimes get us sucked in, Father, but to put our trust fully in you. Just pray for your blessing upon this lesson and others to come. We love you and praise you. It's the name of King Jesus that we pray. Amen. So, you know, 32 and a half years, I trusted myself and myself, and it, and it got me just great places, right? You know, no, it didn't. You know, it got me a lot of, lot of pain and and, uh, and and heartache. Uh, so you know, I was I was married, had had two children, um, and I was working a whole bunch. And I was just an angry guy, you know, just kind of an angry guy. And came home one day, um, my wife and my kids were gone. Uh oh, that's that's a problem, right? Um, and I've never had my physical chest hurt in in that way. I wasn't having a heart attack. Um, but I, you know, I lay on my, on my, uh, bedroom floor and I'm like, man, I was just devastated, right? Devastated. And there was no, there was no piece in that back together. Right. So I started looking at, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I fix this? So I tried fixing it on my own. I didn't work, you know, it didn't work for a day or two, but then, then nothing. Right. So I remember this guy, you know, 15 years before that was my teacher. See, God's got it all figured out. We've got to stop trying to figure it out ourselves. God's got it figured out. He, he put Bill in my life as my teacher. And it was 15 years. Now think about that now. How important the, the living the life is. I had not seen that man, heard his name, anything for 15 years. And when I decided that God might be the answer... I didn't know, but I remember the kind of man he was. And I looked him up, and of course, this is the, the days of landline still, and caller ID, right? 
I dialed that phone numerous times and never made it to the last number. And I, and I put it back down. Just wasn't ready. So finally I did, right? The day came and I'm like, it's time, right? It's time, it's time to call. I had friends that I went to high school with that I was still in contact with that were preachers. Did I call them? Did I even think about calling them? No. It's the power of living a true life of Christ. What that does, I had no idea what I was what I was seeing. He told me in the school store one day, he's like, hey, you know, I'm a preacher out in Pleasant Hill. Hey, good for you, dude. <laughs> good for you. And that was it. That was the conversation that we had about God and his and his preaching. He put me there. You know, I was, I was a pretty rough kid. So I so I finally, I finally call, right? I finally call. I make that call. And 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 Sharon picks up the phone. Because of course it's caller ID, she's my name. And see, this, this is how God, this is how God works. You don't understand how God works. God works. We don't understand it. Most of the time we don't understand. But God does, and we have to put our trust in God. Because she answers the phone. No way this is Brian Bragg. Just like that. No way. This, that, it, it, what, God knew that what? That worked for me. That was what I needed to hear. Because if she'd have been like, hello. I'd have been like, oh boy. You know. <laughs> and thankfully that's not Sharon. If you know Sharon, that's exactly what Sharon was. This no way. This is Brian Bragg. Totally broke the ice for me, right? You know, talk to Bill. I'm like, hey man, I don't, I don't know. Are you still out there buzzing? Like, yeah, man. Come on out. You know, we do individual Bible studies. I'm like, man, I think that's what I need. I don't know, but you know, packed up my kids and, and headed out there. January twenty second, two thousand six. Isaac Man, we were studying a lot. I was like, hey man, can we do another night? <laughs> we were studying twice a week, you know, and just and just trying to. Trying to hammer through. So I had my, my first family camp, right? Right after that. Well, I was scared, man. Just freaked out. He's like, hey, come here and sit, sit, sit in front. I'm like, man, I want to sit in front, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> sit in front. It's unlike me because I'm no, I don't get scared of stuff, man. It's not like me to be like nervous, and but I was like, man. And just to listen to the, the powerful word of God. You know, it's just like, man, crazy. And that January 22nd, again, we don't know what God has in store for us. 20, I, didn't, I didn't pick the 22nd per se, but I'll tell you this, in sports, growing up, especially in high school, guess what my number was? 22. And I fought people for that number. Boom! Like, that was my number. Hey, I want 22. No, you don't get the 22. Well, I want 22. And the fight was on. <laughs> then you then you then you gotta beat me for it. And they never could. So I was twenty-two. That was my number, right? How ironic, right? That January twenty-second. That you can see you can say that that's coincidence. I don't. God had that set up from the beginning, I believe. So the so the twenty-second, right? Man, that's just crazy. And I'm going to share a couple other things that are coming up. But let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Talking about, about not trusting in ourselves, right? Because, boy, that's easy to do sometimes. We know better than God. Really? Really, God? This is what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't think so, God. 
In Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. Right? Dude, oh, there's my, there's my, uh, my wolves are howling. Hold on, there we go. <laughs> Just a little camera going off there at the house, sorry. Um... Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes, right? Well, how easy is that to do, right? I know better. I know what's going on. I'm going to do this. And how's that turn out for you? Well, I know for me, it's never turned out. It's never turned out well. Sometimes I get lucky and, and maybe just happen to be on the same path as God, not knowing that. But when I decide to go against what God wants, man, I'm telling you what, it, it's, it's nothing but heartache and pain. Do not lean on your own understanding or be wise in your own eyes. See, while we're in Proverbs, let's go, to, let's go to 28. Proverbs 28. Remember, this is God talking, right? God wrote the book. Proverbs 28, verse 25. It says, An arrogant person stirs up strife. One who trusts in the Lord will prosper. One who trusts in his own heart is a fool. One who walks wisely will flee to safety. One who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, you don't have to go there. It says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Right? How about, let's go to James 4. Oh, I love James. Isn't James an amazing book? Oh, I love, I just love, I love James. So practical, you know, it was, it was one of the first books that I really got into, because to me it's, so, it's just so practical about what, what we should be doing. In James 4, in, in verse 13, it says, Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and, and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. And also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil. So for, so for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, for him, it is sin, right? We know. Look, I, I, tell, I tell new cops all the time, this ain't rocket science, guys. we gotta, we got to know some laws. we got to know what to do. But this ain't rocket science. Go out and get it done. It's the same thing here. This isn't rocket science. He gives us a real easy book to read. And it's amazing how he basically tells us the same things over and over again in a little bit different way in each book. I mean, do you realize that? You know, it took me a while to figure that out. I'm like, didn't he just say that? Because we all, we all learn a little bit different, right? You know, maybe you need to hear it one way and I need to hear it differently, but God knows that. But it's, it's, this is not rocket science. All you got to do is do the will of God and not your own. Quit leaning on your own understanding. Do what God tells us to do. Okay, now, examples, right? I love examples, just like I shared before. So I'm about seven months in to being a new Christian, right? I'm working, I'm running sawmills. I have this great job offer in Washington State, like six figures, running this giant mill in Washington. I'm, I'm making half that where I was. I'm like, man, 
What a, what a job opportunity that is. I became a Christian to become a better man and a better dad. That was why I became a Christian, initially. More has been added to that since then. But that was, that was the initial. I wanted to be a better person. So being a, being a better dad was, man, that was, that was where it is. I couldn't go to Washington State because what did I have in Oregon? My two kids. Wasn't leaving my kids. Wasn't enough. And the money wasn't like, no, no, not doing it. Thanks for the offer. They're like, you don't have to come up and interview, man. We're just going to give it to you. Man. Okay, you know what? I'm going to trust in God. Two days later, owner of the mill I was working at said, hey, next week we're shutting this thing down. You're not going to have a job. Oh, uh-oh. Uh, so guess who I'm calling, man? Because I need a job, right? I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if this... No, hey, hey, man. No, we gave it to somebody else. Oh, okay. Well, now what am I going to do? You know? Part of, of, of being a good employee, having a good attitude and working hard, is people will see that. And they'll honor that. The owner of this sawmill that I was working had another sawmill on the coast. Now, I'm already driving an hour and a half one way to get to this mill because, again, I want to stay in Eugene where my kids are. I'm coaching my kids in every sport, both of them. It meant a lot to me. So I'm driving an hour and a half one way, working 10, 12 hours, driving an hour and a half back, making sure I get to practice, making sure I'm coaching my kids, making sure I'm spending time with them. And now he's like, I'm going to go to the coast. Well, guess what? Exactly how far that was to go to the coast with a new job. Oh, another hour and a half. Okay, well, all right. But hey, at least I have a job. And he says, hey, it's not a supervisory job. We've got this brand new little, like, like uh, we're trimming ends out there. It's on the coast. There's no roof on it yet, but I'll keep you at your wage, and we'll just go out there and, and do that. I'm like, okay, well, hey, at least you got a job, right? So I'll go do that. So I go do that. And the first day I'm there, it's a monsoon, right? <laughs> There's no blower on this trim saw. The wind's blowing, it's pouring down rain. I'm just eating sawdust, just soaked. I'm like, this is awesome, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you, Lord. But, I, you know, in, 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 in all seriousness, what was I doing? I was thanking God. Because I still had a job. And I was still getting a paycheck, right? So I'm like, every day, man, I'm out there just eating sawdust and getting soaked and driving my three-hour round trip. And I'm like, all right, Lord, well, I think there's something better out there somewhere. Uh, help me find it. So I sat out there for months, and I did that. And I was thankful, right? Big Mill in Philomath was half the drive. Big, big mill, big company. Had supervisor jobs open up, so I'm like, oh, half the drive, again, a lot more money. This is gonna be more stable. This is a big company, right? So I put in. Come down to the final two. I get the call, I'm sitting in my garage. You know, I see the, the phone, I'm coming, I'm like, all right, here it is, Lord. Yeah. Sorry, man, we chose the other dude. What? Like, wait a minute, God, this, this wasn't this, this, this was it, God, what are we doing here? This was more money, this was half the drive, this is a big company, these guys are going to survive, what? Okay, and, I, and it took me a minute, I'll be honest, in the garage, I wanted to throw my phone, you know, I wanted to start punching stuff, you know, 
But I didn't. But I do. I'm like, all right, God, you know what? I'll just keep eating sawdust and driving back and forth. I'm okay with that. Three months after that phone call, guess what mill shut down? That one. The one I thought that had the, the job for me. The big mill shut down. Our little mill, guess what? Just kept on going. I still got a job. Two months after that, for some odd reason, the mill manager, the mill I was working at, decided he was going to go do something else. And the owner comes down and is like, go run this mill and turn this thing around, please. Sure thing. And there I was. Right? That place never shut down. I always had a job. And I was able to make an impact in people's lives there once I became their supervisor. Now, that took a lot of work. I had a very angry, angry uh, boss over me. And they're were, they were running a small sawmills rough, man. I'm telling you what, you know, every, every, every minute of the day counts. So you got to make right decisions. When the mill breaks down, it's just nothing but a stressful, stressful situation to get that mill back up and running because you're just losing money every minute, right? And this guy would lose his mind, you know, just scream at me. But I never passed that on to my employees. And it took a couple years. And I see him one day. You can see his face was so red, man. You know, we're broke. Danny comes up there and he, he's looking at everybody and he just turns around and walks off. And so I, I went and found him. I forget everything. But I'm like, you okay, man? He's like, yeah, I guess I just couldn't. He's like, I see the way you deal with these, with our guys and you don't scream and yell at them. You know, I'm like, just, just trying to be like that. Wow, praise God, right? I was cutting, cutting fire with wood with, with Jeff Drillinger one day, and I'm like, ah, I gotta, I gotta do something different, man. 25 years of doing this sawmill stuff, man. I need to find something else to do. And we just start talking. He's like, Hey, you should be a cop. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what's what's that? <laughs> you know. Uh, and so we got we just got to talking, and he opened that door. Um, you know, and here, 10 years later, you know, here I am. And just, just a huge impact. Did I ever think I was going to be a police officer? I was one of those kids that grew up and was like, I want to be a cop. You know, never in my wildest dreams was that on, on the table. Or now, being an ordained evangelist. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like when Bill came to me, I'm like, uh, uh, I, I don't know, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? You know, now Sharon wasn't. I mean, Sharon wasn't sure at all. She was like, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I'm like, you know, we'll just be, we'll be praying about it. And, and uh, she's like, I'll be praying really hard. So make sure the bill knows what he's doing here. Is this really what God wants? So, but, but you know, it, it was like, wow, okay, God, I'll, I'm, I'm here for you. And I'll do it the best I can, you know. But it's not leaning on our own understanding. We have to trust in God. And there's times that we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. You know? But we got to know that God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. You know? And you, and you got to follow God's plan, not your own. And I, I had no idea none of this was, any of this was going to happen. And, and, and to back up a little bit, um, 
during all this, when I first initially turned the Washington job down, and I'm, I found out I'm losing, or this mill's going to shut down. I've, I've, I've met this this 20-year-old gorgeous female in the church. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. God, I, I said we're going to do this. I want to be a, a better dad. I want to be a better man. And I want to go kill Red Stag in New Zealand every year, Lord. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Why do you got to bring this woman in my life? So I'm like, are you, are you sure? And I'm like, first off, is this legal? <laughs> I, I, I think she's 20, but is this legal? Because, you know, she, she, was, she was 13 years younger, and I'm like, Lord, really? Are you sure? And I talked to Bill about it. I'm like, is, is this going to be an issue? You know? He's like, ah, we'll be fine. <laughs> and with his attitude, and I, I get the blessing from both her parents, and I'm like, Oh, okay, well, we just saved a whole bunch of red stags in New Zealand. <laughs> because we're getting married. So, January 20th of 2007, we were married. And three boys later, right? See, God knew. See, he, he knew I needed all these children uh, to help me with my compassion my loving kindness <laughs> and my patience, something I definitely struggled with, right? And he's like, here you go, Brian. Let's, let's work on this. <laughs> and as much as some people in a worldly sense was like, 20, 33, you already have two children, this is never going to work. It's been amazing. 15 years of just complete joy. Well, for the most part, right, honey? Uh, <laughs> But it's, it's just been amazing. It has worked so well, right? And and God knew that I needed her. You know, most of you know Justine as this just perfect, sweet, you know, innocent, just amazing person, which she is. But there is a toughness to her that you guys don't see. And God knew that I needed that. She keeps me on the straight and narrow. Man, I'm telling you what, and she knows, man. She knows when I'm when I'm struggling. You know, she's there, and so when she starts getting a little fired up, just like like last week, last week we were, we were both a little fired up. I'm like, hey, you can't be this way. You can't be like me. I I need you to be this person for me, right? Because that that brings me where I need to be back. You know, in, in the Lord, and we're working on the things that I that I'm working on. And to go even farther back, the first day that I called and Sharon answered the phone, Bill was doing a Bible study with the college age group. Guess who was sitting in that study? My future wife. You don't think God's got it all figured out? And I'm sure you all have examples of these, these things in your life, man. God's got it figured out. We just got to trust in him and not trust in, in everything else in this world and think that we know what, what's going on and, and what's happening, right? So moving on to some other stuff. You know, Hartford did a great job, you know, you know with, the, with a lot of money, you know. Boy, what's, what's one, of the, one of the biggest reasons that, that uh, couples get divorced, right? It's money, man, finances, finances, finances. This destroys people. And, and I see it. Like, 
every, every day of my job, right? If it wasn't for alcohol and money, I'd go up and write speeding tickets all you guys up on the freeway. <laughs> but I don't get to do that. Because I have to deal with the conflicts of people. Because they finally hit the point where they have to call us to come and get involved because they can't handle it anymore. And the root cause of a lot of that, right, is a love of money. It's money, right? Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 5 says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. So that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, spoke the word of God to you, and considering the results of their way of life, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Right? Make sure your character is free from the love of money, right? Contentment. Wow. Contentment, right? Be content with what we have. And not looking, you know, to, to get that bigger, better, more expensive, whatever. You know? Now, is having, is having stuff okay? Sure, having stuff is perfect, but there's nothing wrong with having stuff. In fact, God says that we what? We should enjoy life here, right? As long as that's not our little G God. As long as that is not what we're striving for, right? And being content. Being content with what we have. And I tell the boys all the time, you know, when we're, when we're praying at night, it's like, you know, First thing we start is just thank you, God, for everything that we have because we have so much more than most people, even in this United States, right? So much more than what people have. How thankful are we that we have those things, right? And is it because of what you've done or what I've done? No. It's a blessing from God. This is all God's stuff, Right? So uh, take care of our stuff. It just drives me nuts. You know, three little boys, they tend to tear stuff up. You know, hey, take care of our stuff. In fact, take care of God's stuff. He's the one that gave all this stuff to us. Take care of it. Because if you don't, then we have to go probably buy some more. Oh, you know what? We ain't going to. You're not going to have nothing. Sorry. It's the way it is. But be content, right? Be content with what you have. God's given us enough. Right? If he himself says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. That's enough. Right? You know, it's been shared, you know. God's done all the heavy lifting. Right? God's done everything he needs to do. How hard is it for us just to live a life that we're called to live? To make the right choices? It's not that hard. It really isn't. When, when you look at it. So when you talk about money, right? You look at the, the Great Depression. I talked to my grandma about the Great Depression. She was born in, in 22, so, you know, we're talking, she was probably, what, eight, nine years old when that thing kicked off. Farm girl out of Cresswell. She, she didn't know what was going on. She had no idea. Why? Because the family farm was completely, pretty much self-sustained, right? They grew everything they need, needed. They, they had everything. They, they didn't even know anything was going on, man. We, we, didn't, we didn't know what was going on. We just kept doing our thing. We took care of ourselves. Now, that's a scary thought because 
it, these days, are we there? Are we, are we a self-sustained society anymore? No, scary, man. If things go sideways, I told the, told the kids, I'm like, we'll just take the trailer and we know how to hunt. We'll have plenty of meat, you know? But how long is that gonna last? Who knows? That's, that's a scary thought. She had no idea. But when we talk about those, the love of money, right? The roaring 20s, man. People made a ton of money. And then it crashed and they lost everything as far as money goes because that was everything that they were living for was how much money I could get. They kept going and going and going and then it crashed and lost everything. There were reports of people just jumping out of buildings. Right? They just lost everything. It's better just to go kill myself. Because I just lost all my, they had no hope. That was their hope, was in their money. And through the depression, most of the causes of death remain constant as far as percentage-wise, except for suicide. It was the only cause of death that actually increased during the depression. And a lot of it was because people lost their money. They put all their hope in that. They lost all that. And so it was better to kill themselves than to try to continue. That's, a, that's an awful thought. And that's something I get to see, not on a daily basis, thankfully, but I have to go to those. Right? And you see the angry wife. Like she just lost her husband. You know, kills himself in one way or the other. And she's the one that gets to find him. And she's so angry. You know, that selfish so-and-so, he left us. What are we supposed to do now? The most selfish thing that somebody can do. But it's because they have no hope. And that's where we come in, right? That's where we come in. When, when, when we're doing things right, when we're living the life of Christ, people are drawn to it. People that have no hope are drawn to it. I didn't know what I was seeing when I was seeing Bill. Bill was living the life. I had no idea what it was. But when I, when I went to seek God out, who did I turn to? I turned to him, not even knowing why I was turning to him, but there was something there. It's the life of Christ. See, we can leave these, these camps and, and be super excited for a week and be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then two weeks in, we start backing off, and then three weeks in, we're right back to doing what we're doing, right? That living a life is not the priority. Living a life has to be the priority every single day. Not only does, does your eternity depend on it, but there's so many others. You have no idea the person that crosses your path, that, that that might be the one person that God has set you in front of to show them that life, to be that compassionate, loving person. I've got to work on that, brethren. I'm a hard-charging, go-getting, I'm going to knock your head off type of guy. That's the way I've, I've always been. And so I've, I struggle, Right? With, with the compassion and the loving kindness and, and all those things. But, I, but I'm working on it. And do I fall short? You bet I do. And I get right back up. And I ask God to forgive me. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep working. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God knows my heart. David is, King David is, is an amazing example to me because that dude, what, really dude? I mean, my goodness. How can you not know that that was the wrong thing to do? You know, you're a godly man. You know that. And yet you, what in the world, man? 
And then when somebody would be like, hey, dude, hey, hey, that was stupid. What are you doing? And what's he do? Oh, my goodness. I'm like, he really that dumb? I don't think he was. But, but some of the stuff that he did, right? But what's God say? That he's a man after God's own heart? See, God knows your heart. And even though I, I, I mess up sometimes, God knows my heart. God knows I'm trying. You can't hide from God. Understand that. You're not going to play games. You said it. There ain't no lukewarm Christians, people. You're either hot or you're cold. That's it. You're either in or you're out. And if you want to play the game, you're going to be really surprised on that last day or when, or when God calls you home. And I don't mean to be mean, but you're going to be standing on the wrong side if you're just playing the game. You can fool me. You can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool God. And God knows your heart. So stop playing games. The, the, the game plan has got to be over. It's time to get serious about living the life. Do you ever think, there's, there's some days I think, if God comes back today, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be on the correct side. Because I've not been doing the things I need to be doing. And it's not, it's true. I mean, am I just expected? Oh, heaven, I'm good. I've been immersed. I'm right. No, it's not. When I continue down, you know, because I'm choosing to go down the wrong road, that's on me. And that's my decision. That's your decision. You get to decide every single day what you're going to do. Are you going to live it for God? Or are you going to live it for yourself on your own understanding? You got to stand before him. And, and he's going to know. There's no, there's, there just can't be any more game playing. None. Moving on to our stuff, right? Man, we got this David's not like that, right? This stuff just keeps piling up, man. What, what am I going to do with this stuff, right? You know? But I know it's not an idol for you. It's, it's not like that. But, you know, God, God blesses us with a lot of stuff. So we got to be careful. Right? we got to be careful that we're not living, you know, for that stuff. Right? It's okay to have that stuff. we got to be careful about, about what we're doing with it. Right? Because um, I think it was, it was Ferguson that talked about, you know, the, the four seeds. Right? You know, third one. Right? He gets choked out. What? By the worries of the world. The riches. Right? All the stuff that he's worried about. Let's go to Job. Boy. What? What, what a great example, right? Job, man. Could you imagine? Can you imagine? I could, I, I still, it's, it's hard to fathom that. And if, if, if you really believe, right? If you really believe, do you, do you believe that, that this actually happened to Job or is this some cool story that God made up? Can you imagine the devil going to, to God and be like, hey, I'm, choose somebody. And God says, hey, why don't, you, why don't you take on old Bragg down there? Because I know, I know he's going to stand up for me. Can you imagine that God has that much faith in you? That you're going to stand for him no matter what? Can you imagine having, having that many kids and all that stuff? And, and it says when, when, when those messengers are coming, they come what? One right after the other. All that news came Instantly, just bam, bam. It wasn't like over months or days or years. It was just one after the other. And it wasn't just his stuff, right? 
What's the most devastating part of all that? It's children. Imagine losing your children, all of them. Devastating, right? Man. But in Job uh, chapter 31, verse 24, it says, If I've put my confidence in gold and called fine gold my trust, if I've gloated because my wealth was great, because my hand had obtained so much, if I've looked at the sun when it shone, or the moon going in splendor, and my heart was secretly enticed, and my hand threw a kiss from my mouth, that too would have been a guilty deed calling for judgment. For why I would have denied God above. Who was Job focused on during all of that? He's focused on God. You know? He's going to give, he's going to take away. What was Job blessed with in, the, with in the end? Even more than what he had in the beginning, right? It's because he, he was focused on God. In uh, Psalms chapter 20. How am I doing on time? Do I need a timeout? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, okay, so let's go. Let's go. Psalm 28, verse uh, verse 6. It says, I know now I know that the Lord saves his anointed, he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some praise their chariots and some their horses, but we will praise the name of the Lord our God, right? And I'll skip um, there in Isaiah, uh, again, where it talks about horses and chariots and having all, all that cool stuff and, and relying on the strength of, of strong men and, and those things, right? Or what? We will praise the name of our Lord our God. Talking about, about stuff, right? So a, a year after uh, a little, I guess it was probably February, March. After a year after we were married, um, we had a we had a house built in '68. Had a nice wood stove in it. I worked in the mill, so I got all the free wood I wanted, right? So we kept, constantly kept that thing going. Well, back in '68, they didn't have any uh, building codes necessarily, right? So uh, they ended up putting the studs uh, for the house right uh, attached to the chimney. Of the fireplace and the chimney was not lying so imagine how hot that that chimney got and and I I worked at a, a mill that had kiln drive wood so you know there were times it was probably 90 plus in the house you know I didn't know how to control I, I liked it hot okay so January I think it was January it must be it was February it was, it was a cold day I was outside so I was gonna go work outside raining like I'm just gonna do this I kept feeding Justine firewood. I kept telling him, like, hey, keep that thing going. Because when I get inside, man, I'm going to be cold. I was cold. I want to be I want to be warm. Keep it going. So she does. And I get done, get inside, and the kids want to play games. So we're doing, we're playing a board game right in front of the wood stove, right? I start feeling my hands and my toes again, you know, getting warm, playing, playing with the kids. And all of a sudden I look up, and between the, the top of the wood where the uh, fireplaces in the, in the ceiling, there's smoke coming out right there. Well, that's probably not good, right? You know, that's, 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 I'm not a smart man, but I'm like, that's probably not very good. You know, uh, let's, let's, I'm going to run up to the attic. So I have to get a ladder, climb up. Now it's probably, you know, 10 feet to the, to the, to the door of the attic, climb up there, have my fire extinguisher. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to take my fire extinguisher. So I, 
I'm up there crawling across there and uh, I, I swipe away some of the insulation and smoke just, just boils out of my, well, that's, that's my boy. So I continue crawling across, you know, the, the rafters. I look between the chimney and the wall and it's just burning, right? And I had set the fire extinguisher side on the other side of the chimney. And so I'm looking down there and I'm like, oh boy. Uh, and, I, and I reach around for the fire extinguisher and I can't see anything at this point and now I can't breathe. I had swiped away that insulation, right? See, you know what that did? All the smoke that was underneath all that insulation instantly had a way out and it filled that attic, attic up in seconds. And now I can't breathe. Uh-oh. And so I'm, I'm feeling my way around. Oh, I can't see either. I'm feeling my way around the chimney because I know if I get around this side of the chimney, I got to go this way, right? And so I'm crawling, right? I'm crawling across there, and it's, it's, getting, it's getting bad. Like, I can't breathe. And I smash my head up against the, the, the roof. Well, I know I went too far right because I'm too far down. So I start heading back left, and I had a little bit of stuff in front of the, in front of the door. And so I finally hit the wall, and I'm feeling my way along the wall, and I'm just about out, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm at that point where I'm like, I'm, I've got seconds before I'm done. And I'm doing this, my hand goes out. So I know that I've just reached the opening and not even thinking about it, I just dove, right? And so I dive, I dive in, I'm kind of, I kind of catch the ladder, swings me around. And thankfully I had my, my freezer, my deep freeze there. So wham, you know, hit the deep freeze on the floor. I go, and I remember Jesse's like, oh, I saw it was a whoo. <laughs> right, by, right by the, the window there outside the garage so I couldn't breathe anyway now I really can't breathe right I just, I just got whatever I had left of me knocked out of me so I'm sitting there and I'm like oh okay I think I'm good we had the kids already out of the house you know they were at the neighbor's house and this is all about your stuff here this, this, this was my mindset even a year into to being a Christian right so I'm a big Western guy. I love reading Westerns. I don't have time to read hardly anything more besides the Word of God, which is fine. Um, but I had all of Louis L'Amour's leatherback, you know, stories there. You Louis L'Amour, you know Louis L'Amour, right? Yeah. All his paperbacks, everything. And I'd read them all. I had them all. And they're all in this built-in bookshelf right there. So what am I doing, right? Save my books, man. My books. <laughs> So I go in there and the flames are already coming. The house is still in the smoke, and of course we'd already called the fire department. And I'm I'm grabbing books and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with them. And and about that time, there's a flame shoots out between the between the wall and the ceiling, Woo! right over the top of my head. I'm like, God, God, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, I'm worried about my stuff. I'm worried about my stuff. Crazy, right? I'm willing to risk my life for some books. That was a huge eye opener for me. Like, I'm just like, what am I, what am I doing? Go outside. I even grab the hose. I'm like, I forget what burning. You know, you would get outside there, and it's funny because um, I, you know, I have a, I have a lot of a lot of deer shoulder mounts, a lot of antlers in the house, a lot of. And some firefighters come running out and we're out in the street. I, you know, I'm here, you know, chainsaw, and I'm like, oh, it's okay, God, it's all right, it's just stuff, you know, okay, it's a chainsaw in my house in half. Um, so they come running out, like, hey, all your, your deer mounts, man. 
can we can we take those out? And I'm like, you know what, fellas, it's okay. Just they'll be okay. I want you guys to be safe going there and you know, put put the fire out. And they did. You know, house rebuilt, wasn't a total loss, you know. And actually God made it a huge blessing because there's a lot of stuff that needed to be worked on in that house. <laughs> Even before the fire. Even before the fire. God got all that stuff fixed. And more. Like there were things like, you know, one of the garage door openers didn't work, so I, <laughs> I had to ratchet it down, right? You know? So so nobody could get in. It wouldn't lock, it wouldn't work, so I just well when the firefighters started to get in, they ripped that thing off. Of course that pretty good little ratchet, you know. It bent that garage door, you know, around. So the adjuster's there. He's like, hey, what? What happened? Yeah, my, that was my fault, man. No, that shouldn't be part of it. He's like, oh, no, we, we got that. We'll pay for that. They just they paid for everything. You know, so it ended up being a, a huge blessing, um, you know, in the long run. But the thing was, right, I was worried about what? Where did my stuff? It almost cost me my life. My physical life, you know. Worried about some books in the house. I had my kids out. We were all out. We were safe. Why didn't I just stay there? It's dumb. Different mindset at that time, right? But I, but I grew from that. I learned. I learned from that, right? Then we're talking about people, right? Trusting people, right? Um, let's go to Galatians chapter one. You got to be careful about about who we trust, even those in the church. We we have to be careful. So Galatians one, beginning in verse six, says, "I'm amazed you so quickly uh, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not just another account, but there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ." But, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we said before, even now, I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of people or of God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So we have to be careful, right? I've always appreciated about, about this about Bill. Um, and, and a lot of, uh, of you men that have stepped up, it's like, check me out. Like he, I always surprised that. Like when I first started listening to him preaching, I was like, check me out. Make sure what I'm teaching is, is the truth, that it's right. Because whose responsibility is that? It's, 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 I'm the one going to stand in front of God all by myself. You got to answer for, for what I've, what I believe and what I've done. It's, 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 it's you alone. Nobody else, nobody else can have your conviction, it's your conviction. So how, how are you living, right? You gotta be careful about trusting people, right? Trust is earned. Now God has earned our trust, right? God has earned our trust. We should trust in God. We gotta be careful about trusting in people. We do. Trust is earned, and that comes over time, right? There were lots, you know, Jeff, Jeff was a, a big time hunter. Him and I hit it off quick, you know, uh, when I got there. And it was answered prayer for both of us, you know. 
But I knew, I could, I could, I could tell that he was, you know, a little guarded, right? Well, because why? Because I had to prove that I was trustworthy. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. We want to we be able to help people. We've got to be careful about trusting people. Right? Trust in God. Because people can be very deceiving. Even those in the church can be very deceiving. Right? Because we don't know. They can fool us. They can't fool God. I hope that's not happening. But if it does, they're going to answer for that. So we've got to worry about living our life first for ourselves and then for others. There's a quote that I, that I had heard long ago uh, that I never knew where it came from. And I'm like, where is that at? And it took years for some reason. But number one, I couldn't remember exactly, the, so I'd always mess up the quotes. I never could find it, you know. Um, but some of you probably have heard of it. Um, it's from Theodore Roosevelt back in a 1930 speech. It's a little, little piece of that. It's called The Man in the Arena. Let me read it to you. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust of sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. We talked about last year, Ferguson referenced I did, about Peter getting out of the boat, right? He got out of the boat. And we said that last year, get out of the boat. Quit sitting in the boat. You see Jesus, get out of the boat. And I said get out of the boat this year and get in the arena. Get in the arena where it's happening. I need to work on my gentleness, my humility, my loving kindness. But some of you need to work on being a warrior. Some of you need to work on getting out of the boat and getting in the arena and getting in the fight. And I'm not trying to be mean, but that's what it's coming down to. It's, it's time. The time for games is over. You got to take this serious. Get out of the boat. Get in the arena and be the warrior that God has called you to be. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not go weary in doing good, for the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up and be the warrior that God has called you to be. Thank you. Amen. Yeah.